0: reading from the letter of Saint Paul to the Ephesians. Brethren, I, a prisoner for the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all lowliness and meekness, with patience, forbearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, Who is above all, and through all, and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, and his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipment of the saints, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The word of the Lord.
1: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. As Jesus passed, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he sat at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous but sinners. The gospel of the Lord. Praise A wonderful scene from Matthew's gospel where he recounts his own call to the Lord, where he remembers the moment. Imagine, you can imagine how it sits in his soul, this moment of remembering the Lord walking past and calling him to follow him. And his quick response has often confounded a lot of the scripture scholars as they say, well, why, why is it that he is just so quickly able after simply having the Lord look at him and the Lord call him, the Lord only has to say, follow me. And he leaves everything behind and he follows Jesus. And so there's many attempts, and it's interesting to read through the church fathers and the different scripture scholars as to their trying to understand or what is it that made him so eager and so prompt in following Christ. Um, and so there's I think it's a culmination of things. I think it's a it's a coming together of many different things that the Lord in his in his perfection of timing that the Lord strikes while the iron is truly hot. And so I think that it is on the part of the Lord certain things that he does, but also on the part of Matthew certain things that have happened to prepare his heart and his soul for this encounter. And so one of the commentators made an interesting note, which is he says, because this is all happening in Capernaum, and so he says that of all places in Galilee, and Capernaum is the one place that you couldn't avoid hearing about Jesus. And so the Lord has been there. He has worked many miracles, and he's done things in Capernaum that have begun to out, ring out in terms of uh, proclamation of all the wonders of Jesus. And these accounts are beginning to spread. And so there is no way that Matthew, especially sitting in the tax office, right in the, the center of the town, would not have heard of the accounts of what Jesus Was doing. And I think it is particularly what had happened just previous to this, which was the Lord raising again that lame man who was uh, unable to raise himself. The Lord works that miracle, but then also the Lord says to that man whom he raises, He says, Your sins are forgiven you. And I think that those words particularly have rung out and have sounded very deep in Matthew's soul. Matthew's a tax collector. And so of all people in the town, he is the most despised. He is the one who works for the ruling power, for Rome, and he works on their behalf. The tax collectors at that time, they were of the worst of society, despised by everyone, because their, their occupation had unfortunately, and it would like that type of occupation, attract sometimes the the worst of people, right? People who are eager to manipulate, people whose hearts are more easily corrupted. And so it was a position that attracted hearts that were also easily corrupted and hearts that would have exhorted and extorted the people from them money and extra and things and placing upon the people uh, that extra burden of not only the taxes that were expected from the Roman rulers, but also additional taxes that they would then skim off the top for themselves. And so they were despised by all. So he knew himself to be an outcast. But moreover, if you look even in uh, some of the Jewish writings, this occupation was seen to be uh, sinful as well, right? So it was something that would exclude you from uh, public worship. It would exclude you from participation in temple worship. It would exclude you from any of the exercises of the worship of God, And so what you can imagine is Matthew has probably, because of all of these laws, because of his experience of when he himself encounters the Pharisees, would probably have given up of any thought of ever experiencing forgiveness. And yet here comes this man, Jesus Christ, who proclaims the forgiveness of sins. And this has now, I, I suppose, rung in the heart of St. Matthew, as he is sitting there and heard this account of the Lord who has not only healed the lame man, but also forgiven his sins. And this forgiveness of sins has built up within him a new hope, a hope that, of a possibility that he can leave the life that he has led behind and that he can be restored in this man, Jesus Christ. And so when the Lord comes past, the Lord has only to look at him. And you can imagine the penetrating power of that gaze of Jesus Christ. Imagine what it was like to have the Lord look directly at you. A gaze that doesn't stop simply at the service, but a gaze that is all penetrating, able to look into the heart, and you would know it. You would know that you stand naked, literally, in your interior, before the one who is looking at you. And so he knows that he is known by Jesus Christ, not only because of the place where he sits. His sin is obvious. He is sitting in the tax office, and so he cannot even hide his sin. The place in which he is reveals the sin that is within him. And so the Lord sees the location where he's sitting. He's in the tax office. He sees Matthew and looks into his heart, And he knows him completely. And he says, follow me. Unexpected words from the Lord. Unexpected words that Matthew would not maybe have thought to hear. Every time the Pharisees would have gone past, they would have treated Matthew in an even worse way than they seem to have been treating Jesus Christ. They would have despised him. In fact, they weren't even allowed to touch him. And yet, here comes Jesus, this holy man that he has heard about, this one who is able to heal and to work miracles, this one who is able to forgive sins, and the Lord looks at him and says, follow me. And so his heart now filled with a new hope, the hope of the possibility of salvation, the hope with this possibility of forgiveness of sins, and he responds immediately. This is everything that his heart desires. And so you can see that he leaves all other things to follow the one new treasure of his heart, which is Jesus Christ himself. And so he says, he rose and followed him. I think that's a beautiful sentence in the gospel account. He rose and followed him. He is literally raised up from all the things of the earth, raised up from all the past attachments that he had in his heart, raised up from the occupation that had brought him into much sin, And he follows Jesus, who is now able to deliver him from those sins. And I think it's that experience then, that looking at the fact that he is so overcome with this beauty of Jesus Christ, that then when he sits at table, when he has this banquet in his house, it is to other tax collectors and sinners that he invites to this banquet, to experience what he has experienced, that the sin is not the final say, that Jesus Christ is the final judgment, that the Lord's forgiveness is something that was extended to everyone who asks for it. The only sins that are not forgiven are the sins that are not confessed. Jesus desires to have mercy. And so when the scribes and Pharisees come and they see this, they are scandalized That are as they are scandalized with everything. Not because the Lord works contrary to God's laws but because the Lord is working contrary to their own expectations. And so they ask the question, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? What should be a cause for rejoicing there is something that they take scandal at because they know neither the Lord nor themselves. They think that they are not sinners, and yet scripture itself says the just man sins seven times a day. All men are sinners. All of us are sinners. And so they should rejoice that the Lord eats with sinners, because then they can be included in the banquet. If the Lord had sat down with the scribes and the Pharisees, you could have said the same thing. He eats with sinners. But yet we have to acknowledge ourselves ourselves to be sinners. So when the Lord hears it, he says... Those who are well have no need of a physician. And that is the great tragedy, is when we think we are self-righteous and without need of Jesus Christ. We have to know our need of him so that we can attach ourselves to the medicine, to the physician of our souls. And he says to them, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. If you look throughout the Old Testament, sacrifice was always what was offered on the part of mankind. Mercy was what we wanted from God. Sacrifice is offered in order to obtain mercy. So sacrifice is what we do. Mercy is what God has. And so when the Lord here says he desires mercy and not sacrifice, what he is saying is that he desires that we are more like him, that we act more in accord with his own heart. He does not desire the sacrifices for their own sake. What he desires is mercy. The Lord wants to have mercy. And that is a beautiful truth because we can then be confident whenever we approach the Lord looking for forgiveness that what he desires is to have mercy. And he says to uh, to the Pharisees, What St. Thomas Aquinas says and what he points out is, again, the common rebuke of them. Go and learn what this means. St. Thomas says this shows, again, their ignorance of Scripture. They do not spend time in the Word. They spend time in all of these other laws that they have created, but seem to have forgotten all of the details of what the Lord has spoken to them. And it is through the Scripture and through the examples of Scripture that we see the heart of God, especially in today's account of this call of Matthew the sinner. We see that the heart of God is merciful and desires to have mercy. We see that the heart of God has truly come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Amen.